come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman here right she should be here i mean yeah she should be here i mean like we waited so yeah she's coming i mean i saw her last night and she had i don't know she had this number on her forehead it was weird huh very weird i don't know i I guess i guess we could just get started all right all right yeah Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good girl's guide to horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Debbie. I'm your polter guide, Donna. And if you couldn't guess by our little introduction here, we watched the 1996 film, The Frighteners. Was it 96? It was. was I was thinking it was 80s. Mm -mm. No. It was 96. Okay. We've also got polter pups, uh, Natasha and pig in here uh so if you hear any weird snorts or barks it's not debbie <laughs> <laughs> or is it <laughs> or is it <laughs> all right well in case you don't know what the frighteners is about it is about an alternate timeline where marty mcfly has suffered the loss of doc brown in a car wreck where they were traveling at exactly 87 miles per hour before crashing into some trees and now marty has to adapt to to the loss by embracing his uh, newfound ability to speak with the dead. Hmm. I really think it was more of a cautionary tale about the importance of attending grief counseling. I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) Just grief counseling. Well, I think IMDb is going to disagree with you both. Do we even care what IMDb has to say? Not not really. I mean, they can't be trusted. People use it, though, so, you know, it's the cautionary tale. (laughs) <laughs> All right. After a tragic car accident that kills his wife, a man discovers he can communicate with the dead to con people. However, when a demonic spirit appears, he may be the only one who can stop it from killing the living and the dead. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So that was actually a decent synopsis. It kind of was. Uh, I'm yeah. not going to... I'm not going to officially give them props, but... See, this not not going to quibble. Yeah. See, this is why they're, we keep them around, you know. We keep using them. Because <laughs> every now and then, they surprise <laughs> us. So. All right, so let's go around. Did uh, Who had seen this before? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I had not seen this before. I recall back in the day, apparently 96, see, seeing the, the poster for this movie uh-huh. and it looked terrifying to me. I was like, wow, that is scary. And I had no idea that this was a horror comedy and I had no idea that Michael J. Fox was in it <laughs> among others. And I had a lot of fun watching it. This was actually recommended by my buddy Grant, who I work with. Shout out to Grant for the recommendation because we do take recommendations. So Anybody anybody who wants to throw some recommendations at us on social media, we do take those into consideration. So. Get at us. Yes. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I had a lot of fun. Donna? I had an interesting experience watching it because I did see it, I guess, in 96. I thought it was in 86, but whatever. Um, I saw it in 96, and... I remember loving it. I remember loving everything about it. And on this watch, 
through about the first, I'm going to say two thirds, I was regretting deeply watching it again because <laughs> the jokes weren't landing. I just didn't believe Michael J. Fox in that role. Uh, there was just too many things standing out for me that I was like, this is not working. And about the last third of the movie, like all the writing came together, all the story threads came together, and I started um, really enjoying it. So overall, I'm going to say I enjoyed it. I like this movie. I had seen it before. It, it's been a minute since I saw it. This is one of those films that I, I remember it being on around me because my brother and one of our cousins absolutely loved this film. So uh, brother was super excited when I told him we were watching this. And yeah, so it's it's always one I have a lot of fun with. It's one that I also forget is Peter Jackson. Yes, and Fran Walsh. Yeah, I, that I always forget it's them. Yeah, because this is not what they're known for now. Right. right. And Weta yeah. was doing the effects. Yeah. Just yeah. Who was Weta? Um, Peter Jackson's the one that made Gollum so yeah. lifelike. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. <clears throat> Interesting uh, bit of trivia about that particularly was that Weta, for this movie, Weta expanded from one computer to 35 computers. Oh, my. To, to get all the effects done in this movie, which those 35 computers were then used in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> nice. Well, okay, so you kind of opened the door with the Weta stuff here. I love, with this film, this is your seeing the early DNA of Gollum. Yeah. Like, and everything that mm-hmm. he does in Lord of the Rings is that you're seeing with the ghost interactions with Fox and with uh, the Reaper, how he looks like. This is like you're seeing just like that DNA, and I just think it's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, you I'm, know, kind of off topic, I just was reminded by, you know, the ghost interactions. I think at just this moment occurred to me that everything Patricia's horrible mother was saying was true. She seemed like this horrible, horrible person, which she was. But yeah. everything she was saying was true. She was consorting with evil. <laughs> oh, spoilers. Okay, we're in spoiler territory <laughs> now, so... So since you you have opened the spoiler door about Patricia, I don't think Patricia would have worked it had it been a different actress. I think it had to be someone like Dee Wallace, who people have such a fond memory of an E.T. Like mm-hmm. this is you know the mom. She was mom, right? She was yeah. mom. I don't think it could have worked. It, it had to be somebody where your guard is down. Uh-huh. Yeah, my guard was. Completely down. Like yeah. when that came out, I was like, oh, "They got me!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were twists and then more twists. Yeah. And nice writing. <laughs> Who wrote this thing? Uh, uh, Fran uh, Fran Walsh, right? Yeah, it was Jackson and, and yeah, Fran Walsh. Oh, okay, Jackson okay. Walsh, yeah. Nice writing. But yeah, Mom was completely truthful about everything, which was a surprise. Mm-hmm. I have a quick question about. Just kind of in the beginning, were there just a ton of nods to other horror films, like, in the first, like, ten minutes? I was drunk last night when I was watching this, okay. So, I don't know if I was reading into it too much, but, like, for example, the mom with her hairdo, Uh I was like, that's Oldman's Dracula right there. And then, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox in his... um, Volkswagen-y looking thing, yeah. do, doing like a really curvy road. Because was it was it not a Volkswagen going down the straight road in The Shining? 
Am I making it, that it up? It was or? a Volkswagen going up a curvy road. Was yeah. it a curvy? I thought it was like a super straight, or maybe it was curvy. I don't remember. Well, it was a mountain road, so okay. it was curving curvy. a little um, bit. So yeah, when when Michael J. Fox was leaving the cemetery. I think he was leaving the cemetery. He was driving his little car down like a super windy road. Uh, and then when they showed, um, what was the daughter's name? Patricia again? Is that Yeah, mm-hmm. Patricia. When they showed her as a young girl in the newspaper, she looked like Wednesday Adams. She yep. had her braids yeah. going. John Aston's in this movie, you know. Okay. I'm about to say something really dumb. Who was John Aston? The judge. Oh, yeah, he was the judge. What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool, cool, cool. Good on you, John Aston. Oh, the other one, uh, the Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah, but that's Raggedy from the Conjuring. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, not the movie, The Conjuring, because they, you know. But yeah, but yeah, in real life, the the Warrens were dealing with a Raggedy Ann doll that was possessed. So, okay, can we put some quotes around real life? Yes. In quote put, real life put them quotes up there Don bonk, bonk. Don is doing air quotes for our listening audience here heavy uh, heavy air quotes emphatic and you may also be detecting a serious note of sarcasm <laughs> from your poltergeist Donna <laughs> no I, there was definitely a lot of nods which at that time Peter Jackson was known for brain dead I think I'm saying that I don't even know what that is it's like a really gory horror film it's, check it out. Yeah. He was known for that. So that doesn't surprise me with those little nods and winks. Yeah. Oh, also, nice shooting text. That's a Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and then the Elvis statue that floats in front of the camera. Yes. The actor played young Elvis in Forrest Gump for Robert Zemeckis. That really? Was, yeah. That was a little uh, nod to him. Just nice. Wait, when did Forrest Gump come out? 94. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Awesome. 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 So, yeah, there's a lot of fun little nods. Another little bit of trivia. Rick Baker designed the judge's makeup and look, mm-hmm. which I'm like, all right, Rick Baker. He looked great. Hey, man, you pay for Rick Baker. <laughs> He's the, you're going to get, you're going to see every dollar on that screen, man. You know, one thing I was really distracted by with the judge, of course, he had, he had his jaw, half his jaw pointing off, not connected, but also lips very drawn back, but he was having no trouble at all saying B's and P's and so... Something I thought I noticed. Now, mind you, recall, I mentioned earlier, I was drunk last yes, night. Yes, yes. Um, I thought he was compensating with his upper lip, like using it backwards the way we use our bottom lip on our upper uh-huh. teeth. I think he was using his upper lip on his bottom teeth. Go ahead and do that. Like a... <laughs> Go ahead and demonstrate this. I need a line. I can't remember what he was saying. Um, uh, Let's see here. Well, you can talk about the... uh, I like it when they lie still. (laughs) There's no bees in that, though. Bees, bees, Fs. I mean, I don't know. I'm not shooting blanks. There we go. I'm not shooting blanks anymore. I'm not shooting any blanks. Blanks. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that was much better than I expected it to be. Nice job. But I don't buy it. I don't know. Go back and watch it. (laughs) And then draw your conclusions. I don't know, because I was drunk. I didn't realize the couple times that I've watched this that Danny Elfman did the score. But now when I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's... uh, Uh Actually, as soon as his name popped up on the screen, I was like, oh, of course. (laughs) Of course, Danny Elfman. Who who else would that be? Yeah. 
It makes sense. So a couple things here. I want to work for the police department that deals with poltergeists. (laughs) (laughs) I just think uh, that may be new life goals. I want to follow you around while you do that. I'll be your partner. Okay. Sounds good. Can I I be your scully? Yes, you can totally be my scully anytime, Donna. Which, speaking of being somebody's scully, you know... For someone that is a doctor, she was pretty cool with all of the metaphysical stuff. Uh-oh. I was here for that. <laughs> let me uh, let me get up on my little soapbox. I, I want to hear from our, oh, for our resident doctor. First, first, let me start with Andy McDowell and Brittany Murphy's love child. <laughs> I'm going to pause for a moment and let you go, oh my God, yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll start with when she was in the police station, they kept calling her Mrs. Was it Zinsky? Uh, Linsky? Linsky, Mrs. Zinsky? Jeez, I don't know now. Just keep talking. Yeah, they kept calling her Mrs. Speaking as somebody who goes by doctor, um, if there's a case where an honorific is appropriate, you get two to three, depending on uh, the situation. You get you get two to three Ms. Leahy's before I'm like, hey, it's doctor. Um, and she never corrected them, which I found a little odd because especially, especially once Dammers got kind of hostile with her, she should have really wanted the authority that comes from being doctor. Uh, so I found it really odd that she never corrected anybody about the form of address. Yeah, you're exactly right. She was on board with the metaphysical stuff right away. I cannot imagine how a doctor would ever end up with someone like Ray because he was not only not a smart man, he was um, pretty obnoxious about not being a smart man. Yeah. Um, and then there was a line, there was a specific line she said where I was like, no doctor in the history of humanity has ever said that and never will. Well, I have no choice but to kill you, so here you go. I'm just going to kill you now because that's what doctors do. We just kill people. For our ghost reasons. For ghost reasons. Here, get in the freezer. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> ghost reasons. <laughs> you got to Hashtag ghost reasons. Hashtag ghost reasons. I like that it was right before that happened. He was hold, holding a gun to his head going, I've got to have an out-of-body experience right now. And I'm like, you're not going to have an out-of-body experience. You're going to die. Like, yes. <laughs> was dealing with a lot. I think it goes back to Donna's earlier point of seeing a grief counselor. Well, yeah. So I think he was thinking at that particular point, if I die and this basically clears my ledger, if you will, to uh, to save everyone, I'm cool with it. Yes, I was just... I was, I was intrigued by his choice of words. Instead yes. of like, I have to kill myself so that I can be a ghost uh-huh. and do these things. It's, I need an out-of-body experience. And I'm not completely convinced the way he's holding that gun. <laughs> I think that would have given him some good brain damage. I'm not sure it would have killed him. Yeah, Maybe. he was kind of holding it. A little, upside down. He, he was holding it upside down. And I guess, I guess it was pointing backwards. Sometimes you see people want to do it kind of pointing forwards, and that's just going to put a giant hole in your skull and maybe affect your ability to think it's not going to kill you. Probably. Um, I should quit giving people advice on yes. suicide. Uh, <laughs> that might be a good plan. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, and it is Dr. Linsky. That is her last name, so uh, you were right. Uh, but, yeah, no, I just I love that. From knowing you and being friends with you, I was like, oh, Oh, this is a change. Oh, I'm not expecting 
she she was not completely believable as a doctor. And then there was, in fact, the um, the scene where they were trying to revive. Bannister. Bannister. And this other doctor shows up out of nowhere and starts ordering her around. Get me lidocaine, which is going to do absolutely jack shit in that situation. Get me lidocaine. And, and adrenaline. And I, was, adrenaline. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, I'm going to ask Don about No, that. adrenaline... Okay, adrenaline does actually make your heart go faster. So I'm like, okay, I'll give you adrenaline. But lidocaine? Is that not what they put on your gums to numb It teeth? is, and you do okay. actually use lidocaine in some cases of heart problems, uh, but you would not use it in resuscitation. What it does is it makes the heart numb. Really, it makes it makes the heart oh. numb. And, but you would use it in a case where the heart is responding to irritation, mm-hmm. um, not where the heart has stopped beating. You kind of want the heart responding to things mm-hmm. um, in that case. But yeah, he uh, he just suddenly started ordering her around like she was. I don't know. I was a bit taken aback by the "Get me this, get me that, quick, go, go, go!" Like bastard. <laughs> She's a doctor. She chill out. She knows what she needs, and it's not lidocaine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that's the line I would have put in there for her, is lidocaine's going to do absolutely jack shit in this situation. I think with this film and now listening to this whole discussion here, this is this shows you just where we were on uh, believability on certain things. Yeah. Like, you know, they didn't consult... Uh, WebMD, any of the Googles, <laughs> any doctor friends they may or may not have. This is—I've yeah. like, heard lidocaine, I've heard adrenaline. We'll just roll with it. I, sometimes I think that with with TV shows, especially, I'm like, do you not have a friend who's married to a doctor that you can just call up and say, "Hey, would you do this?" Because people, these are simple, simple things with easy answers. I would just think that the studio would even have these, yes. have these, you know, to consult with, like a doctor on consult. Yeah, exactly. I'm so. curious as to what what WebMD would have been like in the, in '96, <laughs> or rather '95, when this was probably uh-huh. being shot or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So, can we talk about uh, no, no? <laughs> can we talk about the ghosts? Yes. All right. Uh, I like what I find. Interesting and fun with this film that I had forgotten about. I like the constant decaying of the ghosts. Yes. Like, they're always, like, the longer they're earthbound, they are just gross and oozy. And, like, I like that you don't see that. And it's just with such a interesting take. I'm like, all right, Fran and Peter, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I dug that. I absolutely loved. I'm not sure if his name is pronounced Shy or Chai, uh, but Chai Chai McBride, uh, because I have never seen him in any role that wasn't very, you know, suit and tie and very neatly groomed. And so when he first popped out as this '70s dude, I was like, I know him. I know that actor, but I could not place him. And I finally had. And as soon as as soon as I saw Chai McBride, I was like, Oh, oh. <laughs> You go, dude. You go. He was just having fun. He like, was. He was having a ton of fun. John Aston. Yeah, John Aston. 
I knew he was in this movie. Yeah. And it was halfway through before I was like, oh, wait, Judge is John Hassan. <laughs> well, I had seen his name in the credits and then I guess promptly forgot. Yes. Um, yes. He's just a delight. I'm always I'm always excited to see. He's fantastic. See him in anything, even if it's just walking by going, hey, kids, I'm just, <laughs> I'm John Hassan. You know, I'm just happy with it. Um, but yeah, the, the ghosts were just fun. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and Judge with his jaw all out of place and and Stuart who just looked rough. Yeah, he was having a tough time. And then and then Stu and I've forgotten his name, Chai McBride's character. I would just always refer to him as Chai McBride. I was like, uh, oh, it's just Chai. Oh, it's bugging me. Uh, Cyrus. Cyrus. Yeah, when uh, when Stu and Cyrus fought the Reaper, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, they're heroes. Look at them go. They're heroes. Well, and I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And that was great, too, because they really, you knew Stu and Cyrus, like, just the little uh-huh. bit, and even the judge, you knew, and you cared about them. So yeah. then yes. when the Reaper does show up, and you're like, oh, crap, this is, yeah, they're in danger. Like, like he cut Judge in half. I was pretty sad about that. I was like, no. And then, yeah, then Stu and Cyrus went, too. And I was like, no. Oh, no. Yeah. And to me, I think that's where... When Stu and Cyrus are killed, I'm doing air quotes for Donna. <laughs> to me, that's when the tone changes. Yeah. Like, it's pretty horror comedy. And you're like, okay, yeah. But then when that happens, those stakes are raised. And then it's like, oh, we're in a horror film now. All right, cool. And some of those horror effects were just amazing. The 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 guy coming out of the wall. That was so creepy. That was scary. Okay, let me tell you something real quick now that you're bringing that up. Um, this morning in the shower. <laughs> so I have a new shower curtain uh, liner that's pretty reflective. And I turned and saw my reflection oh. <laughs> back by the colored shower curtain behind it. And it, like, for a split second, it looked like that effect. And I jumped a little in the shower. Uh, Not safe, kids, to jump in the shower. Not but. safe. <laughs> Don't do it. Yes. Got a little fright this morning. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that when you see someone moving in the shower yeah. with you. Yeah, that's going to be alarming. When nobody's in the house and you see a shadow, it's a little freaky. Yeah. I always remember my dog standing up and growling and barking at an empty spot in the middle of the living room when oh, no. I was when I was home alone oh, no. one time. And Donna doesn't believe in ghosts, okay? But <laughs> a dog staring and barking at an empty spot in the living room is alarming. Donna starts having questions, doesn't she? Donna starts having questions. What questions do you have, Donna, as a vet and a non-ghost believer <laughs> in that situation? I wonder what it is my dog is barking at. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Something, something is going on. Do you want us to get a radio that finds the ghosts that you're... <laughs> Yes, use the radio to get rid of the ghosts. Um, Yes, but then there were some effects that were just not good. So I kind of found it interesting how this, how it went from really, really good to really kind of not great. Like the Reaper jumping from roof to roof. That was beautiful. That was amazing. And 100% believable. There There was never a moment when I was like, oh, that's dumb it looked great it looked so good mm-hmm. and and when he was coming out of the painting oh i like the painting yeah that was amazing sorry i was reliving the painting first no no, no that's fine that's fine what, what, what were the bad effects for me initially it was like the dog 
Mm -hmm. dog kind of threw me off a little. Mm -hmm. What else? There was a couple of just basically green screen effects that just, I can't, I can't remember them off the top of my head. I Mm -hmm. I just remember looking at the screen and going, oh, come on, you can do better. Yeah. Uh, But sadly, I can't remember a specific instance to lend credence to my argument. Well, I'm just wondering if some of the problems with the effects were what of finding that horror comedy balance because like yeah. well, the example Debbie used that's earlier in the film yeah. and I'm wondering if the one you're thinking of is the same thing mm-hmm. because you know the reaper jumping from roof to mm-hmm. roof that's later when it's pretty much well, actually no dammers in the car at the end of the movie oh. was just like meh I don't have a problem with that effect I think I'm, I'm wondering if it's just how Combs is playing that character maybe and just because he's just like he's like Nah, I don't want to be here. Like you know, like I think. <laughs> Actually, let me let me say something real quick for Adrian, who's I don't know. I guess she's going to be here at some point. Um, when Danvers first appears, he's coded pretty hard as non-neurotypical, probably some form of autistic. Like he doesn't want to look, especially at um, Lucy. Yeah, Lucy but- doesn't want to look at Doctor Linsky. Um, and then reacting badly to her speaking to him. I mean, he was coded pretty hard as probably some sort of autistic. And then, of course, he turns out to be a bad guy, a crazy, crazy ba- bad guy. Um, I was, I was a little bit like, did you have to? Did you have to do that? Because non-neurotypical people are often, uh, you know, portrayed bad right. in yeah. movies, and it's frustrating mm-hmm. because, you know, they're they're people who are just trying to get along in the world, and can you just not make it harder for them? Hollywood, thank you. Well, and I think that just that's another just example of uh, between then and now, mm-hmm. because in '96 you're not looking at it with those eyes. Yeah, because I. I always took his issues, and even with this watch, was because of things that had happened to him. I, you know, I, I basically when you start seeing the scars and the tattoos and all of that on him, I always took his character when we meet him in a response to what had happened to him. Right. You know, not making light of your read or anything like that. That was just always my take. Mm -hmm. Also, 100% would watch a show about his adventures leading up to the Frighteners (laughs) to get that... Uh, That that whole aesthetic that he's got going on there. He kind of reminded me of Crispin Glover a little bit. Yeah, especially with the bad haircut. Yeah. That's Jeffrey Combs, though, man. That man, like, dives in yeah. to roles. He's, uh, those are the... Been, I'm not familiar with okay. him uh, off the top of my head, anyway. He's he's known for Reanimator, but he's done Castle Freak. He's he's a pretty pretty big in, in, in the horror actor world, and he's kind of in the vein of, like, if you want Gonzo, mm-hmm. he can give you... Gonzo, he, what what you want, mm-hmm. he can do. But yeah, Reanimator oh. is really what he's known for. He, well, he looks familiar. I don't know what I recognize him from. I can check it out. But his face was familiar. And then also, just in this movie, his eyes were like those are contacts okay. because he I was like they're they're just black. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because he has he actually has blue eyes. Uh, but those are uh, contacts that he was wearing, and he had done that specifically for this role. Same thing with the haircut. He was like, no, this is what I'm, what I'm doing. He's, he's always fantastic. I'm, I'm, anytime he shows up, 
I'm, I'm always happy to see him. Yeah. It's never. Is he a, is he for you, Kinsey? Is he a, when he shows up, do not trust? It, no, it, I don't know. That's the thing. Like he is always because he, you don't know who he's going to be. Mm-hmm. So you can't immediately get a read on, you know, hundred percent do not trust hundred percent. do oh, okay. trust. He is, he really is a chameleon. So, you know, he shows up, it's like, well, maybe I trust him. Maybe I don't. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And you just, you go along for the ride. Uh, yeah. He's always, he's always fun. And I know they were very happy to get him in this movie. Just, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Speaking of other people they were happy to get, I read that the uh, Full Metal Jacket Sergeant yes. was written as a spoof. And then I guess after trying to do it as a spoof for a while, they ended up getting actual Robert Arlie um, Ermey. Yes. Yeah, I saw him, and I was like, "Really? Did they really go there? Yeah, they really, they I really did." I was so happy, <laughs> and he was in it quite. A, I mean, for it wasn't just like a quick scene, and I mean, yeah. like a quick shot, and then he's done. Like he was, yeah. you know, in there for a little bit, and he it was. was he turned out to be really important with the uh, with the guns. Yes. Oh, yes. that was another just amazing effect when the face was just sliding. Oh yeah, and it was keeping. I mean, the the face stayed. Mm-hmm. As it, as, God, it was amazing. That was an amazing yeah. effect. It kind of reminded me of um, from Fern Gully, the Nexus, the, the Tim Curry, yeah, bad guy Nexus blob of uh-huh. of goo, yeah, uh, except with a Busey face on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was pretty sad when uh, when he bifurcated old uh, old Sarge there. Yeah. yeah. Because I thought that should have been like, they should have had an epic showdown, the yes. Sarge and the Reaper for a bit. And yes, sure, bifurcate Sarge by the end of it. But I wanted more when I saw that. I don't. Think- I just had this weird thing happen in my brain where I combined the animal actor for Black Phillip with Artley Ermey. And like maybe the director wanted to have more, but he just was ill-behaved. And so he wasn't able to. Um, <laughs> he was ill-behaved. <laughs> <laughs> I amuse the hell out of myself sometimes. Oh my gosh. Ill behaved. I'm sorry, I'm just imagining Arlie. We can't get Lee out of the trailer. He, he, <laughs> he keeps trying to ram people with yeah. his head. I'm, you know, I mean, these are just extras. What are we going <laughs> He keeps wandering off his mark and eating hay? I mean. <sighs> That is the weirdest mishmash. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Anyway, yeah, Wait. he gets cut in half and he keeps firing. Yes, yes. All the way down. That was supposed to be machine gun fire. <laughs> yeah. It's not a fart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so for future sound effects, machine gun fire should be... <laughs> I don't know. Billy, take that sound she just made and put it over the fart sound that I made. <laughs> and then cut off cut out all the talk about farting. <laughs> or just leave all of that in. That's fine too. Oh man. Real quick, because I really like Judge. <laughs> he had some great lines. He did. Yeah. Like, I was cracking up, just one right after the other, even. Like, uh, <laughs> looks like I ain't shooting with blanks no more. They don't call me the hanging judge for nothing. 
I like it when they lie still like that. Which is so cringy. Uh, my juices are flowing again. All these yes. I feel like they had him for like a day and a half. They had John Aston. It's like, okay, buddy, so we got you like for two days top, so we're gonna need you to just be on and just uh go. Just go. Also, when did the sixth sense come out? Ninety-nine. Okay. Cause at one point Michael J. Fox, I think. Yeah. Said, uh, I mean, not that I didn't know his name. I was thinking of the character. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, he said, he said, I can see spirits, which I was like, I can see dead people. <laughs> and I was like, wait, which movie came out first? Yeah. A lot. Yep. Frighteners by a lot. Yeah. So I did get a giggle when, uh, during the whole event with the, with the hanging judge and all of that. Mm-hmm. When the lady that he, uh, I can't remember, the, can't remember the editor's name, you know, she's got the number on her head. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know. Magda. Magda. Maggie something. Yeah. Jones. Magna Reese Jones. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sitting here thinking, abducting her when you're already kind of a suspect yeah. isn't a good way to not be a suspect. Right. Exactly. No, it wasn't his best plan. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, he was trying to save her, so. I mean, I, I, I get it, but it's still like, you know, I'm not saying let the Reaper kill her, but if you're standing there like this, well away from her, uh-huh. I mean, that kind of rules you out as a suspect. That's true. Uh, but he was doing the right thing. He was doing, he the, was right doing thing. the right thing. In, in the moment. I really like that third act in the old hospital, the old hospital. Yeah. Like when they kept cutting in between the past and the present, like that was really fantastic. Really beautifully done. Yeah. Like well done. Cause doing flashbacks is a good storytelling technique. And I'm not sure that I've seen it done that way before where it's so quick, like transition back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you get the story and it flows well. And I liked it. And I thought it was a great way to explain it by having it be Bannister. That is basically walking in both, both times, if you will. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a good and effective technique Mm -hmm. that also keeps the audience engaged. Right. Jake Busey. Yeah. He's just so good at creepy. I think that might be because he is creepy. I don't know. But he's really good at creepy. I think he can do that level of funny and menace. Like, he Mm -hmm. walks because... It's just a Busey thing. It may be just a Busey (laughs) thing. But, because he's not... He's not creepy... In Starship Troopers, which was a couple years, oh no, it was about a year or so after this. He's not, he's not creepy in that. He's just very arrogant and he's fine. But this, that menacing, Mm -hmm. he, yeah, he does it very well. Yeah, he was really good in this role, and there were there were points when he was just he went from being just super super evil to being almost goofy. That's also a beastly thing, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was he was really good in this, and um, D. Wallace was really good in it. Mm-hmm. And I just I like this is just not something you think of D. Wallace doing. Oh no! And so the fact that she she just gets to have so much fun with this because she's always she's either the mom or she is. You know, she is the damsel, if you will, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Well, she's just cute. Yeah, she's she is. very yeah. cute. Yeah. Talking about Dee Wallace, like you were talking about her being the damsel. Yeah. She's kind of, you know, the 
victim yeah. in the in the beginning and then she turned that up to eleven yeah. at the end. I was just like, Oh my god I think she went all out. Yeah. I think she was she was just fantastic. I thought we were gonna have a bit of a Deus Ex machina thing with the knife being found in you know, when she shoves um Bannister into that I mean was it Ban- no the um Linsky. Linsky into that armor or whatever she was shoved into and then she just what happened to be shoved into an armoire that had the knife in it. And I was just like, Oh no. But then it ended up not being like everything kind of came yeah. out the way it was going to come out anyway, regardless of that thing. Sure. Cause I was real worried about that. I was going to be very disappointed. Yeah. But then I was not. So no, the whole thing just came together. Beautiful. It did. It did. It was really amazing how well it all came together. I was actually kind of sad about Ray by the end of it when he got his face scraped off and uh, yeah. oh, his the... ghost corpse thrown onto a car that was, I mean, his deflated ghost corpse, I guess. Yeah. His I husk. don't know. His husk. <laughs> I never could bring myself to like Ray. I, it's not that I liked him so much. I was just like, oh. But he was trying at the end. I think... Ray was doing the best he could because, like we'd said earlier, he wasn't very intelligent. So, I mean, he was he, not a growth minded individual. No, he was not. <laughs> and so, him trying to, you know, save her still. And I think that's another thing that just worked well was just you had things going on that certain people couldn't see, mm-hmm. but we as the audience can see. Yeah. So, I think that also kind of helped with that tension. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Dr. Lindsay doesn't know how close she is to danger. And then Ray's like, oh, crap, oh, crap, you know, and then just that ghost husk. Yeah. And then that part where um, the uh, Dammers guy rips open his shirt. He's like, I'm wearing a lead breastplate. And I was like, I want to wear a, red, a lead breastplate everywhere I go so I can do that. Yeah. In strange moments. And you know I what know. I want to know? Is that actually going to help him? We no. never saw if that no. helped him. No, I don't no. think it would. I wonder, though, if because since they made a point to tell of everything that he had investigated in the Bureau, if that was something else that he dealt with. This is another reason why I'm like 100% want to show about his adventures that lead him to the Frighteners. Yeah. Yeah. That is there something out there that can't get through the lead breast? Mm-hmm. Lead breath. It's a tongue like, twister. It is. Lead, lead breast breastplate. Yeah. It's, it's not a red breastplate. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to, I keep trying to say. Like, I want to know that story. So, yeah. I agree. I gotta say, I cracked up at the end again when he pulls out he goes to reach in his coat and he pulls out a donut pillow. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why he just died laughing. And she gasped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was. As you can tell, we, we had a lot of fun with this one. Well, Debbie, mm-hmm. you have our quote. I do. Real quick, though, before we go into that. All right. So at the end, when Bannister's a ghost and, you know, he's got um, John Bartlett's ghost and the lady's ghost, what's her name again? The girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. Um, Patricia. Is, yeah, Patricia. And they're all going up to the line. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yes. Yeah. And I was glad we got to see Cyrus and Stu again. And then Deborah was there, and it was a very quick... He sees her. She's like, go be happy. I was like, that was a strange... It was strange that that did not culminate into more of an interaction between them 
between uh, Bannister and his wife, his dead wife, before he gets sent back down. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, oh, okay. But just, I mean, just something I, no, I, was, I expected more. I, I guess. was cool with it because um, they weren't reuniting. You know, they were, she was there to tell him, hey, let this go. Mm-hmm. That was, that was what she was there for. She did it. And yeah, she's uh, like, you don't have any, she was basically just trying to help him. Mm-hmm. Uh, move on, mm-hmm. if you will. Right. Well, and then, so then he goes back down, and then he's having a picnic with um, Dr. Linsky. Yes. And it's a picnic to watch them bulldoze his house. Well, it was his past. Like, every, I mean, he was, that was... I, I would I would have thought that, that that would have been a more emotional scene for him, because that was his and his wife's house, and he made her garden there. Yeah. Like, that's still, to me, an important thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were just having a good old time at their picnic watching that being bulldozed, you know? I don't know. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. It was was an interesting scene for him and his character because I almost wish he would have finished the house instead of bulldozing it because, you know, the wreckage of that house was the wreckage of his life. And I almost feel like finishing the house Mm -hmm. would have showed him putting his life back together. Yeah. But destroying it demonstrated putting that life behind him. Yeah. So So it works either way, I guess. But you're right. He should have kept little garden. Yeah, and, and maybe he did. Did we see it garden? specifically? No. Get no. Okay, okay. But yeah, yeah. maybe a less happy. Maybe yeah. maybe a little more melancholy. Not even melancholy because he was told to be happy, but kind of bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Anyway, that was just my thought about the end of that. Yeah, um, it's good. Thought. But all in all, I love this movie, and it it tied everything together well at the end. Mm-hmm. I thought. So, uh, what were we going? Um, oh, well, I was gonna say. Well, oh, I was gonna say. Let's start our rule okay. and quote. Yeah. So the quote. My favorite quote was from Judge, of course. When a man's jawbone drops off, it's time to reassess the situation. (laughs) I just love that one. And the dog running, the ghost dog running around with it. That was fantastic. Oh, I have a rule. Never trust the living. I mean, it's a rule that will get you far. I mean, I don't trust any of y'all, so. Yeah. (laughs) And then Debbie, you have her poll. I do. I read a bit of trivia that when the script was written, they immediately thought of Michael J. Fox and sent him the script and he accepted. But they had planned, I guess, if he had not accepted the role, they were considering Tom Cruise, Matthew Broderick, John Cusack, or Danny DeVito for his role, which I find a very interesting spread of talent. So my question is... (laughs) Who would you like to have seen out of those four in in the role if, if, if Michael J. Fox hadn't gotten it? Uh, do you want to go first? Go for it. All right. I, I actually would have liked to have seen Matthew Broderick in it. It is a, much like Michael J. Fox, he kind of gets pigeonholed cast mm-hmm. in a certain type of character. And so I think he would have kind of had a very similar energy that Fox did. Because you don't see Fox or Broderick playing such a cad that is Bannister. Cruz, it would be one read. I don't think that would work. DeVito, you're not really surprised, especially if you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia like mm-hmm. I do. You're not really surprised that he does play a cad. So to me, you're not going to get that 
growth that you're looking for. Uh, I do think Cusack would have killed it because mm-hmm. it's Cusack, but uh, yeah, I'd say Broderick would have been my, my first choice. Or who would have been my alternate choice between that group? I think Cusack would have been my choice. I adore Michael J. Fox. He's amazing. I really had a hard time believing him in this role. And maybe that's because he is pigeonholed. To me, he's Alex P. Keaton. To me, he's Marty McFly. And Alex P. Keaton and Marty McFly don't dress like that. and They don't drive like that. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Who is Alex B. Keaton? <laughs> um, what was the name of that show? Growing Pains? Family Ties? Family Ties. Family Ties. I forget. I was like, okay. I'm aware of Family Ties. Okay. I did not watch it. Uh, I, I was thinking during this movie, I was like, I don't think I've seen Michael J. Fox in anything but Back to the Future. He I was, could be wrong. He was very much of a young Republican type back when... Republicans were just fiscal conservatives and small government, uh-huh. um, as opposed to whatever they are now. Um, so he was he was a young Republican uh-huh. uh, type, and then Marty McFly. You know, Marty McFly is kind of a flake, but he's you know he's not an asshole. Right, he's just a flake. So Spin City, I've seen him in Spin okay. City. There you okay, go, Spin sorry. City. That, okay, yeah, that just came to me. Um, I don't know, Tom Cruise. This would have been maybe a little after Risky Business, right? Oh, definitely a lot of because Risky Business was eighty-four. 80 something. I clearly have no concept of when any <laughs> movies were made before two thousand. Um, um, so I mean, I could buy Tom Cruise in the role, but I don't think I would have liked him. Uh, Matthew Broderick. I think Matthew Broderick could have done a good job in it. But I don't think, because I think Frank Bannister has to be unlikable. There needs to be, I mean, he is conning people in a very cynical way. So you kind of do need to be able to not like Frank Bannister. And I'm not entirely sure that Matthew Roderick can be not likable. He can. I saw him in election. I was going to say, election, and I was just, as we were talking about, I was like, election is what you're kind of looking for, like, him getting out of that cast because uh-huh. you do start liking him, but then by the end you're like, Ugh. even in election, which he was good in. Yeah, I still. I mean, there was a dissonance. There was. It's like my brain did not want to not like him. So, which I think maybe is what was going on with with Frank, with uh, Michael J. Fox and sure. Frank uh, Cusack. I think would have rocked that role. I think I think Cusack uh, is believable as the cad. I think Cusack is likable that you could have you could have reached that balance between this guy's an asshole and then oh he's actually a very sympathetic asshole. Oh and DeVito. Yeah DeVito would have been a really good pick for it too. In one part because he's a surprisingly good dramatic actor. When when he is called upon to be dramatic, he is so good. There's this there's one scene particular. It's always sunny in Philadelphia where this character is coming out as gay, and he does this amazing dance. If you've never seen it, go Google it. He does this amazing dance, and um, there's this shot of Devito, and he's just he's just sobbing, and he just is going, "I get it, I get it, I get it," and it's it's amazing, and you're like this this little guy who always plays this this role, and he's just crying, and he's it's amazing. So, um, but still, my pick would have been Cusack. I think Cusack would have been great in this role. I think my number one pick is Danny Devito because I think. You know, like you said, he does play this cad role already, and like you said, he is also a very good dramatic actor, and so I think he can definitely make that switch 
and make it be very heartfelt and, you know, the audience buys into that. Um, so I would, I would like Dan- to, to have seen Danny DeVito in it. And at the same time, I don't think I've ever seen a Tom Cruise movie that I didn't like. Now, in all of his movies, he is Tom Cruise to me. He is not any of his characters. Uh-huh. He's just Tom Cruise. So I'm, I would be interested to see him do this role that involves, you know, growth. Range? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> growth and range. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Those are my thoughts. Okay. All right. Hopefully, Adrian will be here, I guess, next time. I guess we should just quit waiting for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those of you that uh, want to keep uh, keep up with us here, we are next time going to be talking about the 1992 classic Candyman. So, Ooh. which I've not seen before. What I've I only seen it. saw it when you showed it to me, like maybe two years ago. Oh maybe. my gosh! Oh, oh right, this... Candyman's the B guy, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, this is going to be fun. Then if Donna hasn't <laughs> seen it, and it's been a bit for you. Yeah. Oh, I've, yeah. I've only seen it one time, and I don't remember very much. Oh, this will be fun. So definitely, uh, gang, you're going to want to. We'll listen to that one. But thank you guys so much for listening to us. We do appreciate it. We are on social media on Twitter at Beyond Cabin. I'm also on Twitter at close to 77. Yeah. Kinsey runs the, the Beyond the Cabin Twitter. Um, I do the Instagram, which is Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, or, you know, at Beyond the Cabin in the Woods on Instagram. So I'm trying to be better at updating that. <laughs> but come talk to us because. We like the interaction. We heart that. We do heart it. And Donna, how would they find you on? You can find me on Twitter at SoonerDVM. And you can find me on Instagram at Donna underscore Leahy. That's L-E-A-H-E-Y. I'm not really active on Instagram, but uh, I'd still love to have you follow me. So, cool. Uh, But that's where you find me. And we also uh, do have a Facebook page. And we have our webpage, which is beyondthecabininthewoods.com. We are part of the Gumby Cat Network. And as always, thank you to our super wonderful editor, Billy. Heart you, Billy. (laughs) Because without him, (laughs) we would not be having these up as regular. Yeah, that's right. And sorry about the sound quality. It's my bad. But thank you guys so much for listening. And don't read the Latin. Looks like I ain't shooting the plates no more. (laughs) You know what? Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.